This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Jeff Klusterman, Jennifer Raby, Najee Husseini, Scott Randall, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Ryan. How about yourself? I'm doing fantastic, but not as good as you're doing. You have had quite possibly the best October or one of them. Like you've had a great October. You can't write a post on 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 Facebook saying my October sucked. <laughs> it's been a lot of fun. It's been there's been some pain, there's been some struggle, but it's been fun. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about and we'll get to this as we let your story unfold. Doing some research on on guests, one of the places I go when I start trying to figure out like wh- where do I want this this thing to go, right? What do I want to talk to the guest about? Is ultra sign up, and I'll just kind of peruse results and just see like what will that story tell me? What will the results on ultra sign up tell me? One of the things that they told me about you, Chris, was, and I mean this in the nicest possible way. So please. Do not take any of this as as a cut or whatever. But yeah. you, you get started in ultra running a couple of years back, and you are kind of, you know, middle of the pack, front middle. Like, I, I consider you either yeah. back of the front or front middle is kind of where you exist in the ultra running space. And mm-hmm. then, all of a sudden... This 41-year-old from Knoxville, Tennessee, goes to Illinois and runs a 13-hour and 9-minute 100-miler at Hennepin. 13 hours, 9 minutes, 43 seconds. Most years, that is good enough for you to take home the trophy. You picked a year when 27-year-old Taggart Van Etten decided, ah, let's run Hennepin, and he runs a 12.45. Basically, he ran 24 minutes faster than you. But this this performance at, at Hennepin was just, oh my God, Chris Stamen has arrived. Something has clicked. Something has happened. Holy cow, Chris. Where the heck did that performance come from? I don't know, man. Sometimes you have those days, they're just, uh, they're magic, you know? I'd say maybe maybe Taggart's butt, I was chasing him down, you know, trying to burn eye holes in his butt, because he had that, <laughs> he was rocking that, but it, it wasn't that. Not that he doesn't, you know, no knock on that, but hey, whatever floats your boat. Uh, it was just a good day, really, you know? Uh, cool weather, good training going into it, things lined up. Well, yeah, really well. But looking at your past results, cold mm-hmm. weather, good training. If you would have asked me, like, what is what is Chris Damon running Hennepin? I'm gonna go. Dude's a solid athlete. He's gonna run a 17, you know, 17 mm-hmm. hour, 18 hour, hundred miler. Because you know Hennepin is not this. It's it is not a mountain hundred miler. It is a one of those what they would call a fast course hundred miler. But even then, but. 
the reality of a 13 hour 100 miler is just incredible have you wrapped your mind around the fact that you ran that fast that hard man Man, it's it's surreal for sure it's a surreal feeling it's like man and me i thought about it for the week after i still think about it it's just like i mean it's kind of it hits you and then it doesn't it's like unbelievable but it's believable because it happened you know right uh and it's like you're like oh damn that just happened you know and i mean you'll be driving home and just get like emotional like what the you know whoa it's just kind of especially when somebody cares so much about like running and enjoying it it's just like there's just magic you know and i don't yeah it's 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 a lot to think about but no i don't think i have really like fully wrapped my head around it and maybe maybe that's because uh no business was right around the corner from that and it was kind of like okay you know i'm gonna take this week after hennepin breathe this in and then like okay let me try to focus on no business so it's kind of like the two back to back you know not that we're going there yet but uh um yeah so it hasn't really hit me fully i guess was that the plan like what was your a goal going in to hennepin your realistic a goal that was really hard people ask me that i'm like okay what do i do do i train flat i mean i can't not give my best on anything i do so i'm like okay i'll just go into hennepin and give my best on hennepin and see you know um yeah so i don't really have an angle but i will say i was kind of focused more on hennepin going into it just because that was the first thing on my radar you know so you you had no goal you're like Listen, if the day presents itself and Taggart Van Etten trips, let's just see how they <laughs> You just walked in and just kind of had the attitude of, let's see how the day unfolds? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was like, okay, let's just see how I'm feeling. Most races, I just go out, okay, let's see how the legs feel. Okay, they're feeling like this, run my own race. And usually if I'm doing well, I'm just running my race, doing my thing and trying to not get mixed up in what's going on including tagger or you know anyone else running around me um you know obviously yeah tagger's doing his thing being a rock star up ahead yeah but absolutely but that's the thing i mean like like your best day we all you have a great run you're you're in your training block for hennepin and you have a great run and yeah sometimes we we finish those great runs those great training runs and we're like well, maybe I could do this. Was there ever like a maybe if everything goes right, I could land in this area of a finish time? Oh, man. I mean, yeah, it, there was that. But it was like, like you say, I mean, the, the maybe I could land in this finish time area was, yeah, nowhere near where I hit. I mean, <laughs> I, honestly, you know what I mean? As I mean, you start locking those miles in that pace in, and it's like, okay, you know, and I was running it, it's just. I'll just keep doing this pace as long as I can and try not to think about having 70 more miles of this pace, you know, and it's just one after another, after another, you know, dark spot. Okay. Just carry through the dark spot. Keep going, you know, but no, I wasn't like, I, I didn't think I, I could, you know, but I, so many fast runners on that course, uh, just over time, you know what I mean? To be, to be that close to the course record, what, 11 seconds off the, the previous course record just nuts man right i mean that's the reality of your of your year right you you finished mm-hmm. second and that's 11 seconds off of the course record 11 seconds and you finished like second like i said every yeah. any other year any other year that is a winning 
time and to have an athlete that is essentially half your age throw down that time and Taggart is an incredible athlete a guy that has this incredible speed in him and this distance but it seems like the day kind of something told you at the starting line I don't know if it was your your partner or your crew crap talking because crews will always do that or whatever but something seemed to at the starting line say to you let's go hard and see how that goes Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, it did feel just right from the start. I, honestly, Hennepin wasn't on my radar until, I mean, I wasn't signed up for it until maybe maybe three weeks before the race. You yeah. know what I mean? It wasn't, I was planning on, I got a no business. I was on the, the wait list for Hennepin and uh, I got into no business. So I was honestly just going to let the Hennepin wait list drop. I was going to get off of it. And then uh, um, Renee, one of my friends on social media, I hadn't met her. She uh, had uh, like a neck nerve issue. She couldn't run it. Uh, she was devastated by it and said, reached out to me and said, hey, would you run this for me? I'll gift my bib to you. And I'm like, I can't say no to that, you know? <laughs> so, I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll go to Illinois and do it for sure. So she gifted me her bib. And uh, yeah, so I ran it essentially for her. And, you know, her and her husband, Brad, came out, crewed me and, so, I mean, there was definitely that where I was trying to run it for them, you know, for her. But, man, it just, yeah. Some days things line up. Yeah, I think that's the understatement of the year, Chris. Some days things line up. And I think <laughs> everything lined up for you on this yeah. day. Um, it sounds like, again, you were just saying, you know, you would, no business was the plan. And for those that don't know, there's there's no two different races that you can run in the 100-mile space in the month of October than Hennepin, which is flat and a fast mm-hmm. course, and no business, which is a lot of climbing. It is a tough mountain race. You go from a rails to trails to a mountain race, but it sounds like you trained primarily for what no business would present you. Yeah, kind of. I mean, my training is usually, I hit a lot of roads. I do run a lot of roads, uh, run some dirt roads. It's hilly. It's East Tennessee. So there's a lot, a lot of hills, you know what I mean? I'm higher volume. So I'm, I'm usually hundred plus miles a week, yeah. uh, eight to 12,000 feet per week, give or take, Yeah, you know, a mix of trails in there, but not nothing crazy. But yeah, I mean, I was focused on no business for sure. Uh, yeah, and then thought, okay, well, two two weeks apart, thirteen days apart. Let's see what's what this is about, you know? Because it's so funny, because you know, it's it's interesting that you two weeks apart. You know, you've been putting some training in for no business, and no business is not a race you can go into and kind of uh-huh. willy nilly it. But to go hard, I think most people would say like, I'm going to survive Hennepin to be able to survive no business, and for you to go. I'm a, let's just throw it down. Let's I, let's you know I'm gonna run hard for 13 hours, two weeks before I'm gonna have to run hard for 22 hours. I mean that's kind of that's a that's a that's a ballsy move, Chris. I'm gonna say that's a ballsy move. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. And I raced I raced the week before Hennepin too. It was a shorter as a 17 mile trail race up in kind of uh, no business country, Big South Fork. Yeah, I raced that one pretty hard the the week before Hennepin. Um, which obviously 17 miles is not an ultra, but right. 
Yeah, I kind of have a heavy block right now, so I've got that. And then on the back end here, I'm doing a backyard ultra and uh, what's t- 10 or 12 days here, 10 days. Yeah. As yeah. of the recording of this podcast, 10 or 12 days from now, not an easy, easy October for you at all. Mm. Let's let's kind of shift the focus back to, to Hennepin just for a second. Sure, no doubt. Um, and then we'll, we'll move on to some other things. For you, you said at some point, running hard and then realizing oh god i've got 70 more miles of this pace Mm. why not when when for you during hennepin were you like you know what let's just go for it man it it was early i mean it was a start okay legs are feeling good hit the pace i'm just running it i'm not i usually don't watch my watch i'm just locking whatever pace feels good you know uh I don't know. I was probably 15 or so miles in when I kind of started paying attention to what pace I was running, which is always a good idea, right? And you're like, oh, <laughs> throwing seven and a half minute miles down. Doesn't feel terrible, but, you know. Right. Uh, Taggart's still running just ahead of me and, you know, hearing about his world record. And, you know, I'm just trying to keep in my own my own headspace. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, so what point, to answer your question, what point was I like, okay, let's go, let's do it? And probably, probably around mile 30 to 50, things started to really lock. I hit, I hit a dark patch around mile 20 to 30, mm-hmm. kind of felt like the pace was slowing down, felt like you have a little bit of jostling back and forth with uh, another racer, kind of, he's running strong, I'm running, you know, I feel like he's running stronger than me, playing a little bit of that, you know. Uh, I kind of noticed maybe, maybe I'm slowing down at the aid stations going in and out. I thought, okay, maybe I'm starting to see some wear down on him. You know what I mean? I see his crew, maybe a little bit concerned on his crew's face, his wife's face, you know, oh, maybe, maybe that's something anyway. But I was kind of running a race with him because Taggart had gone ahead. And it was probably, yeah, mile 30 to 50, things started locking. I'm just like, well, let's, let's just hold this pace. And I, I noticed I was able to hold like a 735-ish. I kept kind of trying to lock that and hold it. <laughs> and it just kind of stuck. And then around that time, you know, it was like, say, about mile 50, I'm passing an oncoming runner as you see, start seeing some of the runners on the mountain back there. So you and that's always inspiring, right? So you're saying hi to him, waving at him, encouraging him, you know? Yeah. Um, and there's a little back and forth there. So that kind of amps you up and you just kind of smile and get in that zone. Yeah. And that, that kind of lit me up through mile 50 to uh, 60 or so. And then, yeah, just kind of kept locking it. And there were times when you think, okay, I've got to hold this pace for a long time. But it's just like, don't even think about it. Just keep running. Just keep running, you know? Okay, just one more. 735 and just hold it to aid stations get back amped up and keep going you know at some point Uh, did someone do the math chris was someone that did you hear rumblings at an aid station did a crew member say like chris you're dangerously close to course record pace oh man as far as course record um i don't think anyone actually mentioned that you know and it was kind of in my head i kind of knew where i was at and as I got closer, I mean, it, I mean, what, 11 seconds off? I mean, that's not that, you know what I mean? Had I had I had more presence at mile 90-ish or whatever, I mean, I could have amped it up and definitely eaten that up for sure, you know? But, right, that's one quesadilla on the go yeah. instead of eating oh, it at man. the aid station, right? Mm-hmm. 11 yeah, no seconds is nothing so over 100 miles. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you can make that up in the last half mile you make it up in the last quarter mile and i was running pretty strong at the end so i mean yeah had i known i was that close to her had i been thinking about it, I, of course would have eaten that, that up 
So maybe uh, you didn't find out till afterwards. Like someone after you finished the race, someone tapped you on the shoulder and said, "Just so you know, Chris, not to, yeah. not to ruin the celebration, but you were 11 seconds off the course record, the previous course record." Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think they initially said like 10 seconds. I think the official time's 11. But uh, yeah, so they said, yeah, you're 10 seconds off the old course record. And I thought, wow, that's nuts. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, just so surreal. The whole thing was just like, whoa, you know. And then you just like start thinking about it. Like, I mean, it's just really, I gotta say, it still hasn't hit me. Just seeing what like, what the crazy elite runners throw down. You know what I mean? And to, to stay look at you know, ultra running magazines top performances in North America and see it like fourth place for the year it's just like what the <laughs> right, you know what I mean right. How on, it's just nuts you know what I mean and then see Taggart up there number one and, and to know you know see pictures of Taggart crossing the finish line and be like you know okay I'm 5k back behind him you <laughs> right, know what I mean right in that picture if you look yeah. 5k back there's Chris Stamen. Yeah, yeah, to see that, and you're right, to, to look at the top four performances, you're the fourth fastest 100-miler for the year, That you had to look at that and go like, is there another Chris Stamen? Like, it had to have been just a surreal experience to see it there written down in ink. It's so crazy, you know? And just, like, looking at it and seeing the names on there, you know what I mean? I don't care who's above me, like Arlen Glick, you, get, you know what I mean? I, Obviously, Tagger. Who else is up there? Anyway, he's just like, what the heck? You know what I mean? To be to be anywhere on a list between like Tagger and you know Camille Heron or Zach Bitter. You know what I mean? It's just like, what the heck? This is so so nuts. Forty one year old dad who likes to eat gummy bears. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. I'm a forty one year old gummy bear loving dad from Knoxville, Tennessee. What the hell am I doing on this list? What? What am I doing on this list, man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. It sounds like really, you know, we all kind of chase this perfect day, right? Where mm-hmm. conditions are right and the legs feel right and the nutrition is dialed in perfectly and, you know, everything just kind of falls into place. And I think we all kind of chase that day. It's what makes us sign up for the next one because, you know, you look at it and you go, okay, well, it was a little hot and I'm not a good hot weather runner. So 10 degrees colder and I could have done this and that sort of thing. It seems like you you caught or nearly caught what all of us dream about run in and run out to find that have that perfect day present itself and to be able to perform to the best of your ability on that perfect day. Oh yeah, it was just it was magic, you know. It was just so crazy, and yeah, I feel like I definitely caught it. And it, yeah, and I don't know about you. Sometimes when I'm having that moment, it's just like I'm in that moment, and that's what really fuels it. I'm just present, you know, yeah. and I'm saying yes to whatever whatever arises. Just especially like any bit of suffering that arises, rather than resist it. It's just like saying yes to whatever you know and that that kind of opens that space up for me personally and i think that was going on all day at hennepin um i have to say you know being done around 9 p.m was 8 9 p.m 9 p.m <laughs> right, man right. be done with 100 it was like oh <laughs> like so wait good. a minute 
I like it's nine o'clock. I'm just gonna go to bed. This is like my normal bedtime. Yeah. <laughs> Be in bed by ten. What the heck? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, knowing that when you now you've had some time, you know, mm. here you are, a couple weeks removed from Hennepin. You know, you ran no business last weekend as of the recording of this podcast. Do you look at that day, that incredible day, and do you say to yourself like? I'm satisfied with my performance on that day or do you have that day get a little taste of the world of Arlen Glick and Taggart Van Etten and Camille Heron and say like if I would have done this differently or this differently or shaved a minute here and shaved a minute there I could have done it faster I could have gone under 13 oh yeah yeah, I mean, there's there's definitely both. Both those worlds exist in my head for sure. I mean, I'm I'm ecstatic with with how things turned out, but then there's also the part of me is that all of us have. It's just like okay, analyze and look and say, what can I do better? What could I have done better? Was that my best? Hmm, maybe, maybe not. You know, there are definitely things I could have done better, and so I definitely yeah, both of those worlds exist. I'm both content and then also like, hmm. What could I have tweaked and done better? And when we're going through the pain cave, sometimes, I mean, there's that, that governor going on and you think you, you're not dialed up as much as you could be. But, 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 you know, you're running that razor's edge. Sometimes you turn that dial up too much and things blow up too. So it's easy to look back and say, oh yeah, everything's good. You know, I could totally have dialed it up, maybe. Or you could have blown, blown up, up and then you would have ran 18. You walked it in the last... 30 miles mm-hmm. or or whatever did it give you though kind of a a new like fascination with and i i use this term very lightly there is no such thing as an easy hundred so i won't call it an easy hundred uh-huh. but a flat fast hundred did it make you go like oh yeah i sure. may be this may be in my wheelhouse maybe i need to do this again oh for sure yeah no doubt i mean you start looking at tunnel hill and, and prize money and thinking okay How's that compare to Hennepin? What could I do different? For sure. There's definitely that appeal. And, and the, the appeal of like a track race is always kind of pulled at me. See what I could throw down in say 24 hours or where I could throw down on a, a track on a good good day. Yeah, there's definitely that appeal for sure. I mean, that's what's fun about ultra running. I mean, I love, I love climbing. I love just, there's so many different things. The same race has got so many different aspects to it. Like you mentioned the mid pack, there's just different races going, you know, you can run the same race. 10 and had 10 different experiences you know mm-hmm. absolutely um but yeah but and then within the community there's so many like there's the flat and fast and yeah that definitely appeals to me and i definitely think about it i think okay say like oh, desert solstice what about that you know hmm. what kind of you know on what other year might i ever be able to qualify for that hmm. you know you start thinking about things like that you know i'm 41 years old what you know how much time do i have left to really throw down as hard as i can and then also the flip side of that is well what if i throw some more discipline at it and be smart about the training to see what i can do in the next four or five years if i really get disciplined right maybe instead of hopping in the last minute because your friend yeah. can't run and wants to give you a bib and you're like yeah why not <laughs> yeah let's do it like cringe like uh it's two weeks ahead of no business <laughs> uh, i gotta do it okay let's do it yeah but to actually think it out plan it out for sure you know i need to know chris 
and everyone's going to want to know what changed in you as a runner, what changed in your training to make you go from a guy who's finishing uh, back front, front middle of the pack to running a (laughs) running nearly you know 10 seconds away from a course record on a flat fast 100 i mean any other year you win what changed to move you from where you were to where you are now oh man i think at the core of it's i mean the passion's always been there the passion for running's i mean definitely higher and so that would be the core and i'd say that that has driven all sorts of things right so it's it's no one variable but it's all sorts of things uh sleep getting better nutrition getting better uh just cleaning all that up um training better volume uh, more of a base building right lower lower intensity with higher volume Uh, i think that's really served me well um just kind of trying to build a really solid aerobic base um and then there's kind of the passion and then mentally going from kind of trying to survive in an ultra distance to competing at some point there's maybe that switch that flipped on where it's like ah maybe i can do okay at this you know and i might it might have been at at the fall classic last year where that kind of clicked a little bit um but yeah so it's been several factors for sure um but definitely part of it's been the, can I survive? I think sometimes in the past, I've just wanted to like make things harder than they needed to be mm-hmm. just to kind of see, uh, train the mental side of it more. Say, say like when I did Vol State and I was like untrained and like I was eating, like I was terribly, you know? Uh, yeah, so to go from that to running like, you know, I ran like 50 miles the year leading up to Vol State total. Uh, <laughs> so we, I mean, where it was just like, okay, can I survive it? Yeah, okay. So it's going from that to be trying to actually compete and then just, yeah, throwing down a lot of miles and just consistent miles and just consistently improving things, improving the nutrition, just so many different things. Just kind of changing one habit, getting that habit locked in, adding another habit, locking that habit in and just building it. Um, and I think that discipline's come with, with age, with maturity mm-hmm. more so. Let's break some of those down. You talked about sleep earlier. What was yeah. your change in sleep like? Mm. Dang. So sleep's an area I could definitely improve more. Yeah. Because uh, one problem I have is I'll, I'll wake up early to run, right? So I squeeze that run in, get up at four in the morning, go out, run for two hours before work or whatever. Um, but yeah, to improve my sleep, cut back caffeine around noon. I've recently done that. Uh, kind of watch like not eating before bedtime, kind of watching what my watch tells me, right? As far yeah. as my sleep data. So I usually stop eating around 6, 30, 7 p.m. Yeah. I think that's helped a lot with my like heart rate variability, resting heart rate. Um, that's probably the biggest thing I've done with my sleep. Um, just that and backing off the caffeine because I do drink a lot of coffee and I drink it. I used to drink it all, like, all day. And so I've just been trying to do that less. And I noticed my, my REM sleeps a lot better that way. So yeah, that's what I've been doing with sleep. That's not an easy sell because I don't know about you, Chris. I'm, I'm oh, a coffee man. drinker all day. I love coffee. I love all different mm-hmm. kinds of it. I'll take it any way I can get it. Like it is the it is the thing that it's like. If you said to me, Ryan, you got to give a beer or coffee, pick one. I'm picking beer every time. I I would. Oh yeah. Not picking up. Yeah, no not, not giving up coffee ever, ever. Mm-hmm. 
man, that's exactly what I did. Gave beer up and continued drinking coffee. And I mean, I drank, I drank a lot of coffee. I still, did, I still drink a bunch of coffee. But uh, you know, say like in the morning, eight shots of espresso with heavy cream. Go to work. I don't know. I've got like that forty ounce hydro flask. That thing's filled up with coffee. You know what I mean? I leave work at five p.m. with forty ounces of coffee. That thing's gone by bedtime. You know what I mean? Uh, and I'd go to sleep. So, so yeah, phasing that out before noon's helped some. Uh, I don't know how much though. That's still that's still an experiment. Yeah, because I do like my caffeine, and that caffeine does come in handy on ultras too. Oh, but what I found is I just drink so much of it, and I'm like, man, I don't feel anything. You know what I mean? I can drink forty ounces of coffee and fall asleep in half an hour. <laughs> right. like, it's not doing anything to me. I may as well just phase it back a little bit. And see, you know? Yeah. Nutrition. You talked about that for a minute too, Chris. Mm-hmm. Is that just your overall nutrition of how you eat day to day, or you were you referring yeah. to race to nutrition? Uh, both day to day. Yeah. So day to day, I've just kind of layered things on that work for me, uh, for a while there, I was intermittent fasting for, you know, through the day kind of stopped doing that. So usually like average day training wise for me, I'd wake up, I wake up espresso, heavy cream. That's pre-run go for the run. Do I do a lot of whey protein powder. I try to get like, Oh, about a gram per pound of body weight of protein total not not all from whey but i'll do a lot of whey protein so i'll do that basically for meal replacement that and like apples through the day most of the days during the week decent sized dinner like i say cut off by like six thirty seven. yeah uh, but yeah about you know 180 200 grams of protein a day i think that helps with like higher mileage for me to recover interesting so so do you do any weight lifting in there or is that just is that just protein to recover from the running load that's just protein to recover from the running load, really. And, and I, I realized some of that's probably converting over to carbohydrates, especially post-run, especially if it's like way, like right after. But yeah. it doesn't matter to me. I think I just give my body the protein if it uses it. And so what I found doing that is I, I felt like between that and the higher mileage, I'd lean out quite a bit. And I feel like I'd hold on to more muscle as well. Like my muscle mass would, would be retained even though I wasn't lifting weights, really. Yeah. At least I felt that way, but Yeah. I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Right. So, right. Obviously, I'm a mini runner, dude, but hey, whatever. Right. Whatever floats your boat. Right. Exactly. Um, something else you said, and talk about this for mm-hmm. a minute, too. You talked about building an aerobic base and how mm-hmm. you change the way you approach those training runs and you're putting in 100 miles a week. But it sounds like the intensity has been dialed back. It sounds like you're not yeah. you're not running race pace for a hundred no. miles training wise no no and a, a, a lot of times i find that i actually slow down because like yeah i mean i'll kind of go like maffetone style that kind of ballpark what feels right for me is about 135 beats per minute yeah you know so be a little lower than that stay under that for most of my runs and i've done that for the last couple of year and a half or so two years and then what I'll do is I'll do the, the max aerobic function test on the track every month and just kind of see how I'm, I'm doing, see if it's improving, just to see if how my training and nutrition is going. And, and generally, month to month, it improves quite a bit. Um, not quite a bit month to month, but over time it does. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so long as I'm, I'm making improvements on that, I've just kind of been doing that. Been throwing in a little more speed lately, but not much, nowhere near as much as I should in terms of actually going above that. I don't, you know what? I, I looking at that time, you know, thirteen oh nine and a hundred milers. Again, I think your speed works fine. I don't think you need to yeah. dial any more speed work in, Chris. I th- <laughs> yeah, 
yeah sure <laughs> obviously yeah, it is it's more enjoyable too you know than going anaerobic and hill sprinting and everything else oh yeah, yeah. absolutely Abs- those those days when you're in zone two and just kind of enjoying what presents itself so much more enjoyable than those high heart rates interval mm-hmm. training track days when you're doing 800s and you're like this is the stupidest sport why am i doing this you long for those days of the low heart rate oh yeah for sure just lock that low heart rate and just get in that zone so much better and it's easier to run a lot more and then like i say when you run more i think that your body's just building that that aerobic base and all the framework you know all everything that your muscles do in your uh blood vessels everything else and there's so much it takes so long the more time you can get in that space at least for me it's been working so yeah for sure i'd say working is an understatement how do you approach two weeks of you just ran a hard you did not you did not go easy you did not say to yourself you know i've got 102 weeks i'm just going to survive this i'll complete it and save some gas in the tank for no business how did you approach those two weeks between hennepin and no business where you ran hard and you had to get your legs ready to run hard again. Oh man, I tried to watch the stress, keep the stress low. That was a little hard to do just because everything was kind of busy around that point. Uh, lots of work stuff. Um, I walked around a little bit. I did some travel. I walked around DC for a bit. Uh, I found the walk just wore me out. So usually like I, what I did, I took the most of that week off, did like a six mile walk dc that camp tuesday i ran a 15 mile trail run the weekend before between and that felt okay um gosh and then mileage wise i probably did 15 or 20 kind of the week before no business early in the week and then took two days off before no business um so i tried to i threw a couple off days in the middle there for sure right so most of that first week was off days and then yeah some rest days on the week before no business and that worked okay i mean looking back i kind of wonder if i should have done more of the active recovery thing but i don't know man it's hard to say what, what my body's gonna respond to i haven't done enough to really get a feel for right. active recovery really working for me or if it's just a lie i'm telling myself so i can get outside and force myself to do do what I'm, <laughs> i like doing you know what i mean right, right. Absolutely. Active recovery is good for me. I'm going to go out and run because it's going to make me better. You know what I mean? Because I need to get out and run. I don't know what lie I'm telling myself, so I'm not sure yet. (laughs) How did the legs feel when you got to the starting line at no business? They felt, the legs felt good at no business at the starting line. And they felt, I I was really unsure because I didn't run much. And I'm like, okay. Let's just take it. And I've, I've got a lot of new friends and people sent, rooting for me and saying, oh, yeah, he threw it down 1309 and a pin. You know, it's like, no pressure. No, no. <laughs> At some point, you're like, guys, shut up, please. Guys, shut up, you know. <laughs> Are you the Chris Damon that ran 1309 and Hennepin? No, I get mixed up with him all the time. That guy, yeah. we are two separate people. Yes, we may be the same age. They get our ultra <laughs> sign up results mixed up all the time. But no, that's a different guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, no pressure. Just show up, you know. So I'm like, I'll just see how my legs do, as I as I always do, right? But I, I always, I can't not do my best, knowing, you know, that I think we all have the tendency to go out the gate a little faster than we want to or need to, right? 
sometimes on a trail race, especially on a trail race for me, depending on how it's laid out, I always want to find my position in that pack before the, before you hit the single track. Mm -hmm. So you're not in a conga line or so you're in that right spot. So people don't have to pass you and you're not passing a bunch of people. Right. So I kind of, that was my strategy. Just kind of lock in. I ended up kind of around the front of the pack and my legs were feeling pretty good. So I just kind of, yeah, they were feeling good. They felt really good at no business. Um, until they didn't. <laughs> about mile 60 they said nope they were done that's funny because you're like first 60 miles you're like wait a minute this is yeah. the same guy who ran a 1309 two weeks ago and here i go again and then yep, here i go <laughs> pretty, pretty much things were going really well you know i was feeling good felt like i was pacing it well you know Check my heart rate out. I'm like, okay, I'm climbing some hills. I'm like 135 beats a minute. It's feeling like it's pacing okay. Running down hills, 120 something, trying to not bomb down the hill, save my quads, you know, thinking, okay, things are good. Okay, maybe I just hold, hold this pace, you know. Maybe maybe 10 minutes is just the same as sustaining seven and a half on hand pin, you know. <laughs> right. right. Nope. <laughs> Sounded good until mile 60 when they're like, damn, we're only, we're only giving you 100K today. You'll be, be power hiking through the night, power hiking loosely used, you know. That's, that's great because at some point you're like, boy, oh boy. My ultra uh, yeah. sign up ranking is going to be awesome. Here comes it's another awesome, one. You know? Yeah. Here comes another one for the best run times of yeah. the year. Can Chris Stamen be on that list twice? And then mile uh-huh. 60 goes, Hey, real quick, your body's like, Hey, Chris, two we- you ran too hard two weeks ago. And now you're going to pay for running too hard two yeah. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think you just will yourself to run faster? You think it's all mental, huh? The mind games weren't working, you know, turn those legs faster. Nope, 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 nope. And then, of course, it's, you know, it's, it's technical trail. Lots of leaves on the on the trail, rocks covered with leaves, trip hazards. You start tripping up, you know, that whole thing. And that that just makes it even more fun, right? So it just makes your legs more tired and you're tripping and you're trying to flail. And, you know, yeah, it was fun. <laughs> it, it was a fun, fun evening through the night was it did you feel like it was like a light switch go off or something where you were feeling good and all of a sudden it just bombed or was it a gentle slide into the suck fest it was a dimmer switch you know what i mean it was a a gentle slide into the suck fest for sure and you know when you hit that it man those miles start clicking off slow and they start clicking off slow and you're like, man, I freaking keep looking at your watch and it's like 0.1 miles. And you're like, oh man, long night ahead, you know? But uh, yeah, it was kind of a, a gradual thing. And then of course you can kind of nudge yourself to run faster and it comes and goes in waves. But there was no yeah, definitive back on switch. Hit a couple aid stations, got the, the boosts, seeing people and talking to people, but short-lived when you're out in the woods by yourself, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and for sure, I'm sure that people that you were ahead of for most of the day, people that hadn't ran a hard hundred two weeks ago, started passing you. And that can be frustrating to go like, OK, well, there's another one. There's another one. Mm-hmm. You go. Yeah. You start getting picked off. You see the headlamp coming up behind you, you know, 
and for sure enough saw the first headlamp so okay start doing the little and, and it's nighttime too so you're navigating so you're trying to make sure you're not missing turnoffs and things which takes a little more time in and of itself but yeah headlamp starts coming you start ah, taking off <laughs> headlamp's still getting closer it's like oh man i give up you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> jacob comes by me nice kid nice guy you know talk to him yeah good job jacob see you later you know just get picked off one by one right but uh but yeah i was good you know uh, definitely one of those things you just kind of embrace what comes up and like i say you just say yes to whatever arises because it's, it's what's meant to be and that's what it is you know and you see some really cool people out there uh yeah so and at some point you realize that you are not going to be in bed before bedtime at no business. That was not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. That was not and, happening. And it's cold, man, you know, and you're packed, you're packed light planning on moving fast. And when it slows down, you got to yeah, deal with what you've got. You know, you stop, it'll take a little longer to the aid station coming out of the aid station. You're like, man, I got to get moving. I'm going to start getting hypothermia. I'm not careful. But uh, yeah, it was good. It was, it was a good, just a different experience. And that's what, I mean, alters are, makes them fun you know you know those dark times come and it wasn't exactly a dark place i was in but it was just a different place right it was it was a it was a place that your body put you in because of what you did two weeks earlier and you just had to kind of embrace it the one thing i guess the benefit of that would be is i look at all of these races starting to appear right everybody's got a, a new hundred popping up here and there's a lot more variety in races um, the no business 100 is is moving itself into this position of being one of the premier mountain 100 milers in the southeast. You know, mainly it, it's Tennessee and Kentucky, um, Big Fourth. Uh, sorry, Big Fork, Big South Fork National uh, Park area is where is where yeah. that that takes place. Um, yeah. and and the director Brian and Shelley Gages are fantastic they are incredible race directors that need to that need to get more credit although their race is sold in 30 seconds so i think they get plenty of credit um but sure this race when you look at just the profile and you look at the aid stations and you look at the terrain and you are like this is gorgeous so if you're going to be stuck in the woods having to walk for 40 miles you really couldn't be in a more beautiful place Oh man, there's absolutely right. I mean, that place is just gorgeous, like stunning. And to be, I mean, alone almost all day out in just that beauty. Oh my, like you cannot beat it. And it's a loop, so you're not passing the same thing twice, essentially, right? So, I mean, yeah, it's just gorgeous up there. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. And it, yeah, it makes sense why it's it's getting so much notoriety. It's like you don't want to get any more more notoriety because people actually like to run it. They're like, I, I'd like to be able to get in this race because it's one of those that fills mm-hmm. up so darn quickly now. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you jump on the wait list and, you know, if you get on the wait list, you know, it is talks cheap and old double running. People, a lot of people like to get on those wait lists and just, yeah, talks cheap until that race is coming up a couple weeks out. And then, exactly. Yeah. And, you, and your friend says, can you can you run on this bib for me? And you're like, well, I guess I have to. Even though I got a big mountain race coming up, I guess I can yeah. run this flat one <laughs> two mm-hmm. weeks before. The finish mm-hmm. line, compare your finish line experience. You know, we heard about what the finish was like at at Hennepin. This, this almost un- disbelief of, it's 9 o'clock. I can mm-hmm. still watch 
uh, NCIS Los Angeles. If I get back to the hotel in time, you know, I can <laughs> I can watch The Bachelor uh, with the no oh, business yeah. finish line. Oh yeah, two. I mean, totally different experiences, right? So yeah, what I think I was back to the hotel like 10 p.m. Hennepin and the Hennepin experience. I mean. Yeah, two total different setups, you know. Um, gosh, what was that experience like? Well, Hennepin, you know, uh, had family and friends there, and just uh, everyone at the, at the race. There was a lot of uh, a lot of shock, and I think everyone was really fascinated with you know what I'd run, you know, what my history was, what you know, like, kind of some like what the heck, who's this guy type things. <laughs> right. Kind of like, um, it's really really warm welcome. It was just awesome. Um, yeah, and, and no business was. I mean, just it was had its own magic. I got to enjoy that sunrise as I was as I was coming to the finish line, and that's always. I mean, it's one of the most amazing things ever when you run in a race. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the mood change there, so got to enjoy that. Um, yeah, I mean, there, and there's there's that magic of going through through almost a full day, right? It was twenty two hours, but going through almost a full day, there's that magic there. Um, Man, I mean, yeah, it's two totally different experiences, both enjoyable in every way, you know. Um, I, I gotta say, thirteen hours is nice, though. It's <laughs> nice to be back, and and I do like I like. It doesn't matter. I mean, even on the thirteen hour race, I was taking some caffeine pills toward the end. If it starts, you get harder. So I was slamming some caffeine pills, made sleeping a little hard. Uh, that was a little different with no business. I was like, eh, I want to get some sleep in my car before I drive home. So I, I, I staggered the caffeine out. wasn't so caffeinated at the end so I could sleep. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. Hennepin, I couldn't sleep. So I was like, eh, we had like a 7-Eleven across the street from the hotel. And I had to go get 7-Eleven nachos because that's like a, it's like a childhood comfort food for me. And we don't have 7-Elevens in Knoxville. So I'm like, I'm getting 7-Eleven nachos at 2 in the morning, you know. <laughs> they see this man. <laughs> 7-Eleven nachos. <laughs> They see you hobbling across the street like you've been mugged. You you got that that ultra shuffle. No, No, I drove and it was ghetto, man. I mean, you got the car bumping music outside, you know, go in, ask the 7-Eleven worker how she's doing, you know. And she's like, someone just asked me if I had an ounce of meth. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want nachos. (laughs) No meth here. Just looking for some nachos. I'm going to go help myself. I'll be right back. I'll I'll be right back. Tonight gets better. No more methods. Your are spoiled rotten is basically what you're saying. Basically saying, Chris, is Hennepin spoiled you rotten. Now you're like, you know what? If I could wrap all of these up in 13 hours and be in bed by 10, that'd be, boy, that would change the oh. ultra running game for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I mean? It's like when you, you run like 50K or, you know, 100K versus 100, 100 miler. You're like, oh, this is nice. I just do this race, go home, you know, go home, sleep my own bed. Mm-hmm. Hennepin was like that. I'm not banking on ever be, on that happening ever again. But you never do know. Right. Exactly. That next race when you're shuffling along in the middle of the night with a pack of people talking about, boy, it'd be nice to finish before the sun's if the sun comes up or right as sunrise happens. You're like, you know, it's even better finishing at nine and being in the hotel at ten and going to bed after you watch the local news after eating some nachos. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> I, oh, so good, so, so much fun. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah, I do. I, I would like to try another flat, fast one. 
maybe next year sometime. I'm not sure. Yeah, because what's your plans for the rest of the year? Gosh, so I've got Barn Creek Backyard Ultra here, and like I say, a 10-ish day, what, yeah, a week from Saturday, so doing that, see, like, I'd like to hit 100 miles on that one, beyond that, we'll see, see how long it goes, got some, some good runners in that, so, yeah, we might be out there for a while, um, so doing that, and then, gosh, well, I've got a, I've got a 15K this weekend, so it'll be kind of a recovery run, but, <laughs> um, yeah, doing the doing that, and then beyond that, I'm not sure. Not sure. I'll probably just back off, go back to some some training. Finish get, the rest of the year. Go get through the holidays. Enjoy that Thanksgiving and Christmas season with with some lower miles, and then pick it back up again when the new year starts. Mm, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's like I think, like I said, I think Desert Solstice still has some open spots, and I'm like. Man, if I could get into that, like I say, if I could, if I hit that qualifying time, which I think I did, like when could I do that again? It's Phoenix in December. Hmm, that's a good point. I think you probably hit the qualifying time if you have the fourth fastest time of the year. I think you're okay to send him an email and say, so, "Hey, real quick, you probably haven't heard of me. Name's Chris Stamen. Just ran a 13:09 yeah. at Hennepin. Wonder what? Wonder if I can get in this race." let me in please <laughs> i might try to just to see but uh yeah because when's it gonna happen i think qualifying time's like 14 ish hours for the a qualifying if i remember right somewhere in there so yeah i think you made that do. i'm not a math somewhere, expert but i'm married to a math teacher so i think you're okay yeah i think i think i hit that but so there's that i'm thinking about that but you kind of clear that with, with the wife and you know maybe do some more stuff around the house beforehand and see if she'll uh should go for a small trip to phoenix for 24 hours around a lap, uh, track do some more things around the house like you know sweetheart like you know that's what i did that was my recovery between uh hennepin and no business i was hanging some of those permanent christmas lights around the house the ones that you can change colors so we got halloween christmas halloween lights up right now so that was latter time that was actually some of the recovery and then yeah Yes, maybe not the best recovery between the two races. No, I think it's good. The one question that needs to be answered then, Chris, is how yeah. many items do you have to knock off the honey-do list oh, before you ask your wife to spend money on another race? What's the number? <sighs> hmm. That's one of those things. It's like multiple variables that have to hit, be hit. You know, certain things have to line up. It's not one tangible number. It's like this <laughs> tangible number mixed with some timing. <laughs> Love you, Barry. Okay, more lights on the house. Uh, do you want a swimming pool in the backyard? <laughs> it's just, you're saying it's a formula. You don't want to give out the, the, the secret Chris Stamen formula, which, you know, a certain number of, of items knocked off the honey-do list, plus a certain amount of I love you's, plus a, fir- a certain amount of putting the kids to bed, plus a certain amount of, you know, bringing your wife coffee in the morning. All of those things need to add up in your secret Chris Stamen formula to get that yeah. to work. Little bit, it makes some espresso in the morning, have it chilled in the refrigerator for ice drink. Yeah, oh yeah, all those little variables, <laughs> they'll add up. Some, sometimes it's even just calling her like during the dark points of ultra marathons and just, you know, get all sappy. I do that sometimes too. That sometimes helps for, it banks some, some value for future races, I think. So did you call 
your wife during no business and be like, baby, I wish you were here because I miss you. No, so much. I tried to. The service was bad. I didn't have yeah. One airplane mode turned it on. It was wasn't playing nice. I did try to. You couldn't have called her during Hennepin. Hennepin, you didn't have any time. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> wasn't playing that game. <laughs> but I did. Yeah, she did say you didn't call me during the last two of them. Yeah, not that she's like that. It's not like she's high maintenance. Right. Yeah, she does. I just said she appreciates it. Right. But, uh, that'd be like, oh yeah, I miss you guys. Come on up. Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. it's only and usually it's when i'm in that pain cave when i'm just like struggling you know it's kind of like and then after that I'll, it's kind of like drunk dialing people but i'm ultra dialing people you know <laughs> on different times i'll call my mom on the west coast and sit, talk to her because she's usually up late you know ultra dialing it's kind yeah. of like drunk dialing because it is kind of i'm sure desperate oh, yeah. sounding and pathetic at the same time oh yeah you're sad you go from sad to happy to you know yeah, nostalgic, angry. Yeah, oh yeah, hungry, sad. It's a whole, you know. I mean, full spectrum. Ultra no dialing. Too many words. Yeah. I think if people have taken nothing else from this conversation, Chris, I hope they. I hope that ultra dialing becomes a thing where we talk about the embarrassing phone calls that we make with our loved ones in the middle of a race. Oh yeah. Oh, so many times, seriously, so many. They call random people, you know. Oh gosh. You know they have those yeah. services, those those apps you can put on your phone to make sure you're not, you're not drunk dialing people. Ultra Sign yeah. going to have an app for your phone so you can't ultra dial. Like they're going to make you do like a math problem to see how. how yeah. <laughs> if you yeah. can't solve the simple math problem, we're not going to allow you to call your loved ones and ultra dial them. Yeah, how far are you from cutoff? How many minutes are you from the next cutoff? Wrong. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you calculate that, you're done. You cannot make the phone call. Get back to running. Focus on running. Quit distracting yourself. You know. Get out of that chair and away from that campfire. Quit ultra dialing and get moving. <laughs> Chris yeah that's my version of, a, of the chair and campfire it's me ultra dialing people because I, I don't usually do the chair you know no because you gotta, you gotta you can't take the chair you don't got time you gotta get up on your you gotta get up on your feet and start drunk dialing in the middle of the woods yep and no doubt yeah until your, your phone battery dies and then you're sad sad and alone Chris Damon this has been a hoot thank you so much for coming on the adventure jogger man thank you Ryan it's been fun man I appreciate it wow wow wow